Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Brusky and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action. Welcome to another beautiful winter day, winter week here in the gorgeous state of Wisconsin. I'm joined by Robert Craig, Executive Director. Robert, good to have you. Good to be here and I know there's a lot of hyperventilation about the weather, but this has been a very mild winter and this would probably be a hiccup. 20 years ago in a Wisconsin winter now, but so let, let's be careful, but let's temper yeah. our view of, of how bad the weather has been. Oh, lately. well, get out and enjoy it. Cause I'll tell you, it, it's, you're going to have it on Friday and uh, it's going to melt away by Sunday. So folks, anyways, you didn't come here for the weather. You came here to talk politics and uh, we got a full boat of things to talk about. We are going to spend a significant amount of time debriefing this spring's primary election because, folks, it was historic. Uh, look forward to talking to Robert more about that. We're also later on in the show after we talk about the election, um, we're going to spend some time talking about health care. Uh, there's a number of things that are moving both at the uh, federal in state level, also things that are moving related to uh, the unwinding of the pandemic that have major healthcare implications. And we're going to talk more about that. Robert's going to go in depth on a number of these uh, different uh, possibilities where people's access to, you know, both healthcare itself and its affordability um, are at risk. And so both risk and also we'll talk about some things where there's opportunities to make improvements, particularly Governor Evers' budget. But Robert, we got to talk spring elections. Okay. I, you know, we all know what happened, right? Um, I want to start at least by talking about overall turnout, Robert. It was a record um, for, a, for a spring primary. We had historic turnout in terms of it was, I believe, what was it like 36% above 2020, which I will remind you, it was a presidential primary. So it was literally just this state Supreme Court race. Um, well, this state Supreme Court race and multiple millions of dollars of investment that normally would not be in a spring election like this. Robert, we'll talk more about that. I definitely want to get your thoughts about we will talk about the influence of money because that was also a historic number. And sometimes those things go uh, hand in hand along with, we do know with the balance of the court at stake, there's something very significant. But again, Robert, record turnout. And the other big thing, and I'm going to kick it to you, Robert, I want to get your thoughts on overall. Obviously, Protasewicz, huge victory, 47%. And if you add in Everett Mitchell, we're talking about 45, 44, 45% of the overall vote. But mean, so that's 50, big. 55, you mean? Yeah, 55. Excuse me. Thank you for correcting me. I actually have like verbal, I think, dyslexia. I'm always mispronouncing numbers and reversing them. But Robert, thank you. Um, the big thing, though, Janet wins big. So, you know, getting close to 50% which is pretty impressive in a four-way primary. Um, Robert, the big thing I think, though, is Kelly coming out victorious over Doro on the conservative side, and which, which was a big spending and like very close and contentious race. And um, also, I think, contentious within the party, within the Republican Party. And we've already said these are partisan efforts. 
But uh, I think Kelly's really vulnerable, Robert. So I think in general, a lot of quote, like Democratic operatives are probably very happy uh, right now. Uh, Janet's margin plus Kelly and the assaults already begun on Kelly on TV. And, you know, the ads are just going to be never ending. Robert, uh, your overall thoughts first with the Supreme Court. And then we will talk. There were some other important um, local races, mayor's races, things like that. Robert. I wouldn't characterize it as a gift because a Democratic independent group spent over $2 million attacking Doro. So the Democrats produced this result. And of course, it was a crossfire for Judge Doro because Kelly was also with his Richard Eline money attacking her. And, 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 that and Robert, that's a celebrity. And that's that a great point. Work. We tried Democrats spent money on trying to get Representative Brandigan, the MAGA, Injection Dow candidate through the primary in this in the eighth Senate district, and that didn't work. And we got we got the more conventional Republican. Robert, you immediately threw in some numbers. So let me just quickly throw it in and then get back to you. Robert pointed out that Richard Uline, one billionaire, spent uh, 2.7, I think it was, or 2.37 million in this race, one person, folks. Uh, but also, yes, Robert mentioned the Democratic. Um, advocacy group that does TV ads and digital work spent uh, almost the same amount. It was like 2.3. Um, now that comes from multiple sources and they get, so it is sort of like an aggregator of money, uh, but it does the same kind of work as say the one billionaire on the, uh, and, and that one and, billionaire. And let's not millions. pretend it small contributions probably i'm not going to suggest it's small but it is it's not one billionaire <laughs> i agree i'm not so suggesting there might be some billionaires I don't, you know me, involved, Robert, I don't want to suggest it's one. pure money by any means or that it helps create you know the kind of democratic discussion we need in in, in these elections but nonetheless um robert back to you so we spent meaning the whole big tent that Democratic Party understanding the different sides of it, um, a huge amount of money to make Kelly the nominee. So it was not, it was, I would not characterize it as a gift. Um, you, when you give yourself the gift, I'm, you don't consider it Robert, a gift. It's okay. I'm just. You, un, you understand, when I say I'm a not, gift, I'm it's a gift to, to us. I'm not suggesting Matt, Matt, we I'm had not, nothing to Matt, do with Matt, it. Matt, I'm not trying to critique you. I'm just trying a lot of the media coverage makes it sound like it was a natural outcome. That's all I'm saying. I'm not gotcha. trying to, to jump on you. Uh, but um, so here's the problem. Um, we know when we'll get to what out of the box the Democrats are are going after Kelly for, the Protosewitz campaign directly. Uh, the Kelly campaign is clearly going to lean into crime and letting letting go dangerous people. And that is what the Democratic side attack was on Doro. So what we've done, which violates a fundamental principle of building a just progressive society, is leaned in heavily to the right-wing frame on crime, which builds yep. it up. That's damaging for future elections. That's true. But if we understand uh, political folks uh, don't think beyond the current election. That's why others like grassroots groups like us need to try to bring that perspective. Uh, but it actually sets up Kelly's attacks now and you can run the same ads on Protoseowitz because any decent judge 
is not going to have a hundred percent record because they do not have, you know, there's like it's like there's no bet, uh, there's no sports betting operation. Even the best ones that are always right about the game. Okay, you have to make judgments. And this, if someone you give anything but the maximum to parole or sentence, go and does something heinous, then you let dangerous criminals on the street to abuse our children and and molest them. It's outrageous. And so we need to hold both thoughts. We the way the way you do something is can is as important to building a just society and a good democracy. It is not good that we've made Supreme Court races about this because this is not mostly what Supreme Court justices do. No. And, and this is a bipartisan problem in a world where even if we're in a position to win this race, we are outgunned because they've rigged the judicial system to have unregulated money. And a Richard E. Line, there is no limit to what he can spend in a general. They may not pull it off, but then there's the next election and the next election, folks. Correct. Well, look, Robert, Robert, I we've talked about this for years on the show. And sometimes when it's not election season, we joke about it because it, it happens all the time, right? Well, in this cycle, it's particularly pernicious because they're this issue sort of spiked because of Republican efforts over the last year or two to do that, right? Now, you have accurately pointed out it is a huge problem when it's Democratic resources that are essentially pushing a Republican frame. I mean, look, we talked about it when it ha- when it first when when we first heard the ads, just how upsetting they were. And and also, by the way, I'm just going to shout out to the folks over at Block who've been full throatedly talking about this uh, for the last few weeks. Um, it's really frustrating because. The reality is we will spend years unpacking these ads in conversations on the doors, talking to people, dealing with the racism and the and and, and just the wrong perceptions of what makes us safe. Um, and, and that's frustrating. And I get it was to win. So we better win because the damage that it does. And I mentioned this, that it does to like our coalition and the feelings it, which frigging matter um to a lot of us because these are the people we're we we trying to build a movement with right and it's just anyways robert thank you for pointing that out that being said <laughs> i want to get uh, back to your, your we, we have we have about a minute left i want to give you a final point before we go to break so here here's the problem right we had a george floyd moment and we had a chance to actually start to make progress on a structurally racist criminal justice system. And when, because of what happened, the pandemic and increase in in certain serious crimes, which has been fomented for political purposes into a pandemic, it was the Republican campaign strategy for 2022. It's what narrowly defeated Mandela Barnes. Uh, Otherwise, we wouldn't have said a Ron Johnson. Democrats didn't have an effective response that defends reform, did not develop one, did not have a consensus, not just messaging. It's like, is there a consensus across the party? And then start leaning into reinforcing the right-wing frame, which will defeat the future Mandela Barneses, and which we can't overcome on the doors. And so really, here's the thing, folks, because people are going to say it's so important for abortion rights, for fair maps, we have to win, we have to do anything. No. It, when you use means like this that undermine the long term, that that eat the seed corn, so to speak, 
then you actually set up the conditions for the ultimate demise of democracy, even if you win a single race. It cannot just be about one race. And here's the problem. We can do this after the break, Matt. There are too many progressives leaning into this, and there are too many that 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 questioned Everett Mitchell for very much the wrong reasons. If we yep. if Democrats stand for actually believe in anything they claim to stand for. Folks, we got to take a break. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin, where citizen action, where we talk about real stuff in our movement. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're talking about the Supreme Court election. It's historically important. As Robert, before the break, just pointed out, one of the downsides of that sort of historically important election is you know maybe uh tactics and people what people will do in the name of quote winning a historically important election for the break robert was talking about just sort of the right-wing frames that were moved by parts of the progressive movement in order to win the primary and robert before we go any further down this road um i want to i want to say it, why I don't think it's fully necessary, and it's certainly I don't think it's at all ne really necessary going forward in the general, is we have our own internal polling in our movement that says that we have issues like abortion's a top issue. It's the it's not even close. Abortion and healthcare in the Supreme Court race. So, and we know they're important in other things going on, including budget fights, healthcare, things like that. The gerrymandering, the future democracy, there's so many issues, and especially with Kelly, uh, him being a right-wing extremist, you can do a Christmas tree of things. Why do we, we don't need to be pushing this, as you said, pollu and polluting the kind of world and place we're trying to build and the values we're trying to build up? So, Robert, uh, let back me, to you. Let me, um, let me answer. Uh, I can imagine, because I know what response we get, what some of the people who argue back will say. Some will say we can't disarm ourselves because then they'll hold power and it'll be the end of democracy, right? Because we don't have a democratic state legislature. Uh, I am not saying it's an unflexible moral straitjacket. That doesn't work either. What I'm saying is you have to balance the two and make an ethical balance, and that's not happening. So sometimes you have to do more in terms of means than you're comfortable with because of the extremeness of the situation. That'll happen if in 2024 democracy real, you know, the, uh, really starts to break down and 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 transition to something such as a, a democrat an autocracy with a democratic form. Um, so that's what I'm saying, and. Here's the thing. We talk about the algorithms being how Facebook and Twitter profit and how that is damaging our society, right? And that's one yep. of the reasons kids are so sad and, and depressed, right? Uh, we talk about how media is about clicks and therefore fouls our whole political discourse because they're getting more clicks, right? Um, we talk about that. We also need to be aware that there really is an industrial political complex in the Democratic side that is highly profitable, is making very good money for a lot of people that benefits from getting wins on the notch. And they're That's not right. held accountable as a group for 
what we talk about, which is winning in a way that builds us towards getting the structural reforms we need for a just society. And I do. I want to be very clear. We have some, there are people in the social community who are different and our allies and that we work with, but I'm talking about as a business model, right? So it has to be held in by candidates, by supporters of candidates, by individuals. And one of the things that really disturbs me is this message was put out that by Democrats that you couldn't support Judge Everett because a progressive Black candidate who had done criminal justice reform, it would just be too awful in terms of what the Republicans could say about that candidate. And that was whisper campaign everywhere. And they were giving to uh, stakeholders, major opinion leaders, evidence of bad things that had happened with people that had been that had been that that that, that Judge Mitchell had not given the full sentence to or given not the full, you know, the most limited parole to. And the same thing applies to Justice Persayowicz. Let me finish. What we are saying, if we say that, take a step back, is that we are just taking off the table Black candidates who have been connected to social justice. Do we really want to make that decision and what? where does that lead? And it's not true. The evidence shows, there's a lot of research on this, that often the best candidate is a Black candidate. It depends on the candidate, but if you actually go deep with voters, they can be extremely successful. And remember, folks, the only statewide runaway winner in, in statewide Wisconsin elections at top of the ticket in recent history has been Barack Obama twice, folks. Yeah, no, I brought. I, I love to say that, Robert, because I'm glad you said that about Barack. Uh, by the way, he had racked up margins that I think only like Herb Cole uh, in that period was even close to. And um, anyways, Robert, thank you for for articulating that because it's 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 a challenging, frustrating thing. And again, I I framed it in when you say this is a historically important election where the balance of the courts at stake. Everything Robert laid out about the conflicts between these tensions of must-win election um, and sort of our long-term movement goals and where we're trying to move are at its most heightened. And so it it we felt that this election. Um, so while there was a huge victory and whatever, it's important for folks to understand that that is absolutely going on. Uh, within our party underneath. It's very challenging. And it's why our work on the doors, Robert, you're right, we can't talk to everyone on the doors is so important. It's why we need more funders funding this, right? Like we virtually, folks, we we struggle to get major institutional donors or major even progressive donors to fund our political work. Most of those resources go to those ads you see. So, yeah, so some of you may be saying, since we're segment and a half in to this week's Battleground Wisconsin. Well, gee, we had this great victory and it's all negative on Battleground Wisconsin. What's up? We want to make sure we have, because we're not, we, we don't want to fit into kind of just the usual conventional wisdom conversation that we're all exposed to over and over again, that we have a nuanced view of it. It is a great opportunity here, uh, but it depends on us to have a real Supreme Court, because you don't have a democracy if you have a packed Supreme Court that always, uh, you know, uh, rules for, for the right-wing position and just changes their doctrine willy-nilly. And of course, that'll be an argument because 
Uh, Judge Kelly is trying to say the opposite. And what's interesting about this is the chickens coming home to roost. They packed the state Supreme Court with big money. It was a conspiracy led by Wisconsin Matriarchs and Commerce, hardly ever mentioned. This is a business conspiracy. And they packed the U.S. Supreme Court. That is more understood by 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 everyone who's who's tuned in. And then they went and made an incredible political judgment, overturned half a century of precedent, and showed how they political they were. So there, we just interpret the law, and we're just judges. Falls on deaf ears because we know what you did, and you went and took a constitutional right away, and so now they're paying for that, right? And so there, there's a beauty in that. But let's think about this, Matt. There was not just high turnout. There was high turnout for Democrats. Okay, there was depressed turnout in a lot of Republican areas like northern Wisconsin. But remember that Judge Kelly won the primary when he last won, and then he got beaten by double digits by now Justice Dallet. So that's a different electorate. They have time for all the Eline money. People cannot just say, oh, it's great. We had fit over, you know, 53, 54, 55 percent of the vote. It's a different electorate. And now they with the right-wing crime frame and other fear things, go after Protozeowitz hammer uh, uh, and it, with a hammer. And I'm a little concerned that Justice uh, Judge Protozeowitz's campaign started out with the abortion ad, perfect, but then also ran the right-wing crime frame ad on Kelly, which is Look, just the same problem we were just talking about. I expect it. there's going to be that. They're going to try to muddy the waters and just be like, Oh, crime, 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 and, and, and try to have that be a draw. But the reality is they know the real issue in this election is, is abortion and it's health care and it's democracy. It's the balance of the court. It's gerrymandering. It's fair maps. You it's a Christmas tree of things. And we've been doing folks, we've been doing uh, doors and uh, some we just started right in phones. We did some right right before the election, talking to people, encouraging them to get out and vote and um, people are motivated. They do understand what this court's been up to. I, I was pretty impressed with some of the conversations I had with folks who got that this court is basically undemocratic and it's standing in the way of a lot of what the majority of Wisconsinites want. And so that's encouraging, but Robert's hundred percent right. This election is going to be completely up for grabs. It starts all over. We can't assume anything other than there is a pathway to victory if we get involved. I want to encourage everyone who's listening to this to get involved in our field work. It matters. Thank you to one of our members who listened and heard Natalie last week and came out uh, and canvassed with us in Green Bay last weekend. That uh, was his first time canvassing. And is my understanding, uh, he had a great time. And I really encourage more of you to come and get involved. It was uh, great to meet a listener and to know it was his first time that he decided that he was going to get off the couch. He was going to get off Facebook. He was going to stop just being a pundit. And he was going to challenge himself to go have conversations with other people and help create the kind of state we want. It's really important, folks. So please get involved. We'll have contact links how you can um, and uh, sign ups for our field work. And of course, we're taking donations to help pay for all this. And we're trying to hire and expand our capacity 
to be able to talk to voters. We really need your support for that work. Um, before we, we're going to take another break because we are basically at that moment. I want to talk more about the spring election with Robert. There's other things that went on. There's little more facets to this. Um, you're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. And by the way, Robert's right. We are really actually very excited. We're not dour about all this. We just want to have a real conversation with you. And folks, if you don't care that there's a lot of people who are really hurt and upset about what happened in that, you should. So it, we're, it's important that we understand this stuff. And with that, we got to take a break. You're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin. Welcome back to The Battleground Wisconsin. We are debriefing the really, really important, we'll say it, historic. We had historic turnout. Uh, primary election. Robert, you had um, something else you wanted to add? Just um, one more thing on former Justice Kelly, because I don't want to see like we're letting him off the hook. Um, his position is he is, and this has been the big lie they've elected right-wing judges, politicians in robes with, um, it's, and Supreme Court candidates that uh, it, uh, nominees that go and lie and say they believe in precedent and have no presupposition on Roe v. Wade, and we they were lying, right? Um, he just looks at the law, and it's outrageous that 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 uh, that Judge Protasiewicz is talking about her values, like what she thinks about abortion or voting rights or or fair maps, and this is coming from a man who ran ads on, I voted to end the COVID lockdown. Oh, that was a, we didn't see in the ad, whatever the legal judgment was. That's just pure political red meat for the base, okay? And a man who was employed, uh, kudos to the Journal Sentinel for, for putting this out, by the Trump administration, Trump election deniers, and was doing legal work on behalf of the fake electors. And we're supposed to believe this is some impartial judge and he's offended by Justice Persewitz articulating her values. If we're going to have big money Supreme Court races, which is what the business lobby, the corporate interests, the billionaires decided, then how do how do anyone make a judgment about candidates unless they know who they are? Because here's the big lie. Yeah, people's values, judges, public opinion do influence decisions. Now, a really good judge tries to balance that, put that to the side and look at the law, right? But this idea that he's some neutral arbiter, it's just a joke. And too many Democratic consultants have leaned into it by saying, no, he's the one who's biased. We'll just interpret the law objectively and fairly. You know what? Humans don't do that, folks. This is this is well, why judicial uh, control and influence needs to be more limited and not legislate. Look, I think this is the best, most exciting part about Janet Protasiewicz's campaign is she's ripped the sc the scab off of this idea that, and it's been mostly, and I'll say it, Democratic judges, right? Like I, I don't have a problem. I long ago adopted Roberts. They're politicians in robes. I understand it. And our side needs to act like it. And it did in this case. She led with her values, was full-throated with them. And I thought that that was 
that's part of why I think we had the turnout we had. Like there, our sides motivated, at least a lot of voters are because they get Janet is talking about the most important issue in the election. It is. And the polling shows that. And, uh, and, and we... so that's really super important. And the last thing I want to say about Kelly and Robert, you were saying this, but those those numbers about the billionaire, the billionaire. Kelly is he shrouds himself in social conservatism. He is at his core the enemy because he is the corporate financial elite. He is backed by them. They love him. And that's why they threw the money behind him. So while there'll be a lot of, you know, around crime and social issues from him, he's really uh, about money and power. And he is bought and paid for by those elites, Robert. And just, and you don't see media even getting to this level. Just think about this. This is obvious with the right wing judges. Is there, was there any chance on God's green earth that he wouldn't strike down the COVID um, restrictions regardless of state precedent? Is there any doubt he'll uphold the 1849 abortion ban? And let's look at Protasewicz, and I'll say this about Judge Mitchell too. We interviewed both of them. I think she would take seriously the legal argument advanced by Attorney General Call and Governor Evers that a whole bunch of other laws passed since 49 presume abortion is a right and exists and regulated, and therefore they'd, they'd, they'd already repealed it and that it's unworkable because it's an archaic law. There is judicial precedent for deciding what to do about archaic laws and not just enforce them, uh, uh, you know, mechanically like Justice Kelly, former Justice Kelly tells us to do. I don't think we can say that Justice Protasewicz or Mitchell would have just struck down the 849 law and all restrictions and say abortion is legal in Wisconsin, whereas we know he would do the opposite. So, but we're, there, that level of analysis isn't there. It's just it's it's just so shallow our political discourse. It's damaging democracy. Another thing that's damaging our democracy, folks, and a lot of people on our side are participating in it. Well, look, people, we have the solution. We have the penicillin. It's conversations with actual voters, discussing this with them. And I'm telling you, man, you will have conversations. We do what we're calling a deep canvas, which means um, we're both getting into challenging conversations with voters who are undecided and cross pressured on all kinds of things and are really like open and get hit by these nasty crime ads. We're also talking to voters, progressive voters who have deep values like a lot of our listeners, but just don't often show up. And we're trying to get them aligned and voted and out and also off the couch and get them into our movement. Folks, we got we got to get more people into our movement. We got to grow. We got we got to get more people out having these kinds of conversations. So join us. Join us. It's the one way that you can push back against all this stuff. We can't change the campaign finance laws. We can't deal with all that. But we can deal with what we do with our time, our money. And what we support. So please support our, you know, support doing this kind of work. Robert, I want to get your thoughts. Um, I was up in Green Bay this weekend, uh, doing doors, just you know, talking to talking to voters. Um, and uh we were also in support of Eric Genrick, the mayor of Green Bay, who we've he's been on the show before. Um, longtime former state legislator who I was a big supporter of Badger Care expansion, Badger Care public option, things like that, right? Real true progressive leader who is up for re-election. 
And I must say it was per a little unnerving to see that he was second in this primary election. And so I bring it up not to like freak out or anything because it doesn't necessarily mean anything other than this is close, folks. It's a nice uh, signal to us. We need to help Eric. So I just I want to give you an opportunity to talk about why Eric's super important, but I'm going to just make a pitch, folks. Reach out to our organizer, Natalie. We're going to be in the field all the time helping Eric and, and, and as we try to grow and get more members out, but also donate to Eric. Go give him some support, help. Right. And we'll we'll put a link there. But Robert, Eric Genrick, this is a progressive sort of leader vanguard in uh, Brown County and in a more conservative area. It's a little bit like how Senator Jeff Smith was the last vanguard of anyone representing a large rural constituency up north that was a Democrat and him winning, which he did win, even though he was their top target last cycle re-election was important. Well, you can all see Eric is kind of a vanguard of what's been going on, uh, not only north, but uh, in, in Brown County in northeastern Wisconsin. And he's not just, you know, we throw around the word progressive sometime. Okay, they, they check some boxes, right? I don't mean you, Matt, I mean in the movement and in Democrat Party. And so this is someone we work with in the legislature who we develop policy with. The Badge Care Public Option Bill, which allows people to opt out of corporate insurance with the claims denials and, and, and the, the limited networks and everything else and buying the Badge Care and get affordable correct subsidies to afford it. We developed that with Representative Eric Genrick. And it is now a policy. It is now second straight time. It's in Governor Evers's budget. And in fact, Governor Evers says, they say in the budget and brief document, that because of Governor Reavers' leadership, Wisconsin will be the first state to take the bold action of creating a public option. So I commend the Evers administration for putting it that way. I want to point out, Eric helped us work on that. And that's just one example. He's a leader on climate. And he's Richard Eline, the same billionaire behind Justice Kelly, is behind Eric's opponent. And he's in a tough area. So everyone in our voice in Green Bay this is about you, you. This is about, are we going to protect our democracy? Or are we going to let them take it with their money? And let me, again, getting on the doors, talking to voters, getting people out, getting on the phones can make a difference in a race like a mayor's race in Green Bay. I mean, this is close. It's going to be real close. Uh, Robert mentioned the pattern, the tide of Richard Uline, the one billionaire gave 2.3 in the Supreme Court race is giving to his opponent and his opponent outspent him, has outraised him. So please, folks, um, this is far from done. I have a great deal of confidence. I know Eric's going to win this race because we're going to do everything we can and he's worth it. And there are people who will get out. Um, I'm sure seeing these primary results and um, help make sure that we reelect Eric, but wanted to put that on the map. Uh, there's other mayors like Corey Mason who are going to, you know, have close battles, we think, but um, you're listening to Battleground Wisconsin, Citizen Action. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Robert, we got to talk healthcare. Um, 
it's it, it, there's a number of things that have been going on in the last month or so, and I've had them on our topic list, but we get so busy talking about other things. We almost did it again today. I could talk more about the elections, but I really do want to talk healthcare with you. A couple of things. Um, Senator Baldwin this week and a number of Democratic senators called on the Biden administration to rein in these junk short-term health plans that really ballooned under Trump. I want to get your thoughts around that and really set some minimum standards for the ACA. And this is again about making sure we have quality health care. The other thing I want you to talk about is there is, and folks, if you see in the onslaught of the shitty ads, you've probably seen these dudes out bowling. You've seen other things, these Medicare Advantage ads that are trying to scare seniors that they're going to lose their Medicare uh, when it's really just some crappy privatized version of Medicare that's been growing like a weed. Robert, I want to get your thoughts on that. And then the final thing, Robert, we're, I want to make sure, no, two other things. COVID pandemic ends in May, which means a lot of the extra benefits, particularly healthcare benefits, Medicaid, that stuff's going to wind down. And then on the positive side, Governor Evers, he He's got some really interesting things on mental health spending in his budget. Want to get your thoughts on it. So, Robert, let's start with Senator Baldwin in these short-term health plans. So one of the great achievements of the Affordable Care Act, which is a step towards guaranteed health care in this country, not the only step, and was not good for the by Obama folks to frame it otherwise as some final step, it for the first time said here is what every health insurance plan needs to cover, so essential benefits, and here is who you cannot discriminate it against. You cannot deny based on pre-existing conditions. You cannot cancel, find a way to cancel once people get sick. All the ways that a Wall Street-traded firm will find a way to, uh, to, to maximize their profit, no matter the consequences. And of course, the Republican solution to bring healthcare costs down is make every make make the plans crappy so they'll be inexpensive, which of course, in terms of is actually more expensive, right, folks? Uh, if you once you you try to use your policy, and when they had full control under the uh, so far failed dictator uh, Donald Trump, they actually created this loophole to create short-term plans. And short-term plans were allowed in very limited circumstances, like for a month in a transition, but could not be like a permanent form of insurance. And they went and expanded that dramatically. And so Senator Baldwin is calling out the alarm, particularly because we're doing very little to constrain still hyperinflation in healthcare, right, at the state or the federal level aside from what we're doing on Medicare that was that we were able to get through at the end, uh, the Biden agenda on that. But the Republicans blocked any action on the private insurance market and uh, and and the and pharmaceutical corporations, that there's going to be an increasing use of these short-term plans, especially now that pandemic uh, public emergency is ending, a, a few a topic we're going to do a little bit later, Matt, and a lot of people are going to lose their Medicaid coverage, Badger Care in Wisconsin. So kudos to Senator Baldwin for being a moral leader on this and being on top of this. And really, this is a situation where President Biden does have full control of health and human services. It's a big battleship of an agency that's hard to steer, but Secretary Becerro really needs to act on this because certainly we're not gonna get anything through 
the MAGA, the very narrow MAGA majority in the House right now. So the game is all executive action. And so, Robert, uh, next, the Medicare Advantage campaign that is seeping into your television and actually has a lobbying component here in the state. Um, well, wow. I'm going gonna, gonna to hold that Sleazy. week. There's a reporter working on it, and I don't want to step on the lead, the exclusive for 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 a good reporter and media outlet. So let me just, I'm going to tell you the public piece, not the piece that that we will reveal when we have uh, the news story that it, that the reporter is working on intensively. Ooh. And that is... Did you all see, some of you may have seen this, even before President Biden's State of the Union address, we started getting ads about the threat to cuts to Medicare Advantage. And the tagline was, Medicare Advantage, Medicare Advantage is Medicare for Bye. many seniors. And the question is, really, is the Biden administration or Democrats proposing cuts to Medicare Advantage? And who is the person, the group paying for this? Better Medicare Advantage Alliance, better Medicare Alliance, excuse me, they don't say advantage. They want to claim the title of Medicare without the word advantage, actually. That's why the ads say it's Medicare Part C rather than advantage. Uh, and so it's an industry front group. You look at the uh, board of directors, there are a lot of industry types with then some health policy types thrown in to make it look more legitimate. And Politico did a story. They are They've made this up because they're, they, they're paid higher subsidies than they need, and they're very worried that in all of the, you know, debt crisis, austerity push for Republicans, that they won't get all they want. Well, now, no one's talking about cut. In fact, they're paid too much right now. That independent judgment and analysis shows that. But they want as much subsidy as possible. And then panic seniors, here's the problem. Medicare Advantage is now over half of Medicare enrollees because when this Trojan horse was wheeled into Medicare by the by the W. Bush administration. They now they get paid more than Medicare, and they and they what they do is they try to cherry pick healthy seniors. That's why they're offering the things like fitness clubs because the more more, more the seniors who have more health conditions aren't going to the fitness club, folks. They're 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 laid up, right? They're they're not as ambulatory. And that why they are advertising with old warhorse actors and athletes, the Joe Namath and the Jimmy. Oh, yeah, I always listen to Joe Namath for my yeah. opinions on insurance. Over and, and over and over again, and even ones where they're making fun of seniors that are resistant. And then they're paying off health clinics who are paid by the head to try to, 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 try to push seniors into it. And I know this because my mother doesn't go to any health clinic that does that. And it's happened repeatedly. And she, of course, is a very progressive persons, but she would never go anywhere near Medicare Advantage. Uh, but it happens repeatedly. And then so, she an earful. So here's the thing. In Politico, the major Republican senators, your Rubios uh, and, 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 uh, and, and your Cruises, are using the better Medicare Alliance talking points that the threat is to Medicare Advantage, folks. Well, we're going to talk more about this. Robert previewed it. And of course, people. Bruce Lee was very wise about water and money is like water. So yes, this is going to be a bi this is a bipartisan problem and us as progressives. We'll talk more about that going down the road. Robert, I need you to talk about the unwinding of the COVID pandemic. This may it 
I believe is uh, supposed to fully unwind, which means uh, a lot of the increased social welfare state. And yes, I'll use that term because mm-hmm. it's what we did. It's super important. Uh, and it showed we can pay for this. We could, but it's, we're going to unwind it in May. And this has implications for folks access to healthcare. Robert, talk us, tell us more. Okay. And let me also take a step back on this. Uh, the way public programs that help low-income people, the working people, um, are structured, they make it very hard. There's all sorts of accountability. There's all sorts of enrollment in real moment. Anyone who's ever dealt with like the unemployment system, it's like, who the hell created this? They're trying to drive people away. Just right? like WEDEC, right? A lot of rigor, a lot of accountability. That's what I'm getting to. The hypocrisy okay, is when they say there needs to be accountability and we need to crack down on fraud, it applies to those undeserving people. And by the way, for that, they ra- they're racializing it and making a class statement. But we should just uh, trust the major corporate leaders of our state and give them money to create jobs, whether they do or not. Even they outsource more jobs than they did. WEDEC, which was Contract Development Corporation, which then Governor Evers didn't try to eliminate. So just want to point out that Walker privatized our jobs program and a Democrat governor didn't propose to um to change it back to a fully public agency, the Department of Commerce. So during the pandemic, wisely, because there was a panic, understandable and, and, and correct about, about people, if they don't have health care, it's more dangerous for everyone. They stopped having the cumbersome re-enrollment and people who were already in were presumed eligible because it wouldn't be in the public interest to suddenly start throwing people off. And it'd be harder to re-enroll in the middle of a pandemic with everything else going on, right? And so um, that, that Congress has declared the end to COVID because we've made it like we were locked down for three years and in house arrest, which is not, I mean, the word lockdown is great overstatement as to what happened in this country. Um, I was going to say, nobody was ever locked down. <laughs> progressive media uses the word lockdown. It's By the way, I'm, as Robert remembers, my son and I are living proof. We were still traveling all over the state trying to pursue a professional racing career in the middle of COVID. It sucked. <laughs> Please. So now it's been declared starting April 1st, all these folks have to re-enroll and face other barriers. And we're, people who are who are the work who are working near the poverty level, they have very variable incomes. And with their lives such going through all the process and they move a lot because of evictions and because of housing insecurity, a lot of people nationwide are going to lose their health insurance. Hence, Senator Baldwin's concerned yep. about the short-term plans. And so, and, and worse in Wisconsin, because kudos again to Governor Evers, Wisconsin did a much better job than average in, in, in getting people into badger care during the pandemic. So there are more people at risk because of the good job Governor Evers did. It's incumbent on Governor Evers and and our Department of Health Services to limit this as much as possible through executive action, understanding that some of these are statutory and they can, now like Republicans, Governor Evers will not just violate the law, unlike, say, Donald Trump. Uh, But this is very concerning. And you know what? It shouldn't exist. This idea that we're going to make it as hard as possible for public benefits for people who are the most pressured, the most vulnerable, and we'll have no accountability. In fact, let let me give you another example of the hypocrisy. The increase in IRS funding 
is actually to prevent what is serial and rampant tax cheating by the wealthy. And the Republicans came out and said it's 80,000 new agents to go after the middle class. And it's just a lie. And they repeat it over and over again. There's no number in Biden's plan that passed for number of new agents. In fact, there are going to be so many retirements they might even actually increase their staffing that much, but they have the resources. Here's why they don't really go after the wealthy people. They have armies of lawyers. It's extremely costly and time-consuming to hold them accountable. It's like, think about Trump's uh, you know, tax evasion. It's like that, whereas regular working people, it all comes from payroll and they're, they're W-2s, they're easier. And that's what happens. The IRS audits more people who don't need to be audited, just average people, then the, the ultra wealthy, because the ultra wealthy, they don't have the resources to fight them. And with that, folks, we're going to have to wrap up this battleground, Wisconsin. We'll have to talk um, next week about some of the mental health uh, proposals, and there's some some real resources behind them in uh, Governor Eber's budget. Uh, but we got to we got we got to bring this show to an end, Roberts. We'll talk more about it. We'll talk. We'll talk more about that next week. But uh, we want to thank Brian Woldridge, our producer. Folks, get out, enjoy Wisconsin's winter. It is gonna be gone fast. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. We'll see you next week. <laughs>